This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, it's been a lovely weekend, gents. I'm sure we spent a lot of our time outside, um, but of course, I'm sure we dedicated a few hours to watching the Dons on Saturday. Um, but I'll introduce you guys before we get into the game review of uh, Portsmouth. So, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Nice weather and all that. Yeah, it's been decent, hasn't it? It's been a nice change. It's been our sort of first decent weekend in ages, so yeah, I could take the most of it. And um, Joe, I, well, we, I know you've made the most of it based on our conversation pre-recording, so how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, although just slight, not nursing some slight um, sunburn on one side of my face. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, you could say it was a, a day well spent. Yeah, well, fortunately for you, there's no video on these at the moment. So uh, just the audio, so no one can see you sunburn on your face. But... Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's the early kickoff for the Dons on Saturday, which, uh, to be honest, I preferred the 3 p.m. kickoffs um, to the 12.30. Obviously, it's not really that regular we get at 12.30, but of course, exceptional circumstances with uh, Prince Philip's funeral. Um, so yeah, 12.30 kickoff, and the Dons sort out pretty well. Wonder when a playoff chase in Portsmouth, which... Uh, you know, some of us predicted, um, which is good to see. Um, overall, I felt we did really well. Um, caught, sort of carried on our control from the previous home game and, of course, got rewarded for that. Uh, Ethan Laird being a difference maker of his creativity. Um, took on Chai Daniels, uh, what a penalty. And then Scotty Fraser, of course, slotted it away. Hasn't missed a penalty season. And uh, fingers crossed he won't miss one again. Um, yeah, apart from that, of course, Portsmouth had a few chances, but they're all from, you know, 20, 25 yards out and mostly for Ronan Curtis. Um, of course, there was a header from a set piece which hit the bar, but Fish had to make a few good saves to keep us in the game. But yeah, overall, I thought we played really well and um, kind of went along the lines of what we were thinking anyway. So yeah, really pleasing. And uh, a lot of three points puts back into the top half as well. 
Um, and of course, as we're sure we'll get on to, taking four points from the week we just had is a really positive uh, outlook heading into next season. So I'll pass it over to gents to uh, get that overall thoughts on the game. So, Ross, how what was your initial thoughts beating Portsmouth one 0 at Stadium K? Okay? Yeah, it was a very good performance. Um, after the humbling from uh, Lincoln they gave us, I said about we needed a reaction and we got that. And I mentioned obviously uh, in the last episode um, and the fact that we never really get slapped at home and we turned up yet again at Stadium MK and I'm hoping we can carry this into next season. If we are going to be successful next season and push it, hopefully push into them playoff positions, we're going to need good home form and a uh, point or more away from home. But as I say, um, it could have been two or three in my eyes, um, hitting the bar and post several times. And what pleased me the most was the clean sheet in my eyes. Um, obviously, there's been doubts about some fans saying about Fisher and then some fans saying about Jules. And I think yesterday just uh, showed that It'll, it'll breathe a bit of confidence in the, uh, especially Jules, I feel. And um, I'm hoping he'll develop and um, carry on it, carry on uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um, but as you say, Liam, Scott Fraser, eight out of eight now. And um, I believe he's got one of the best penalty records um, in England at the moment. I might yeah, be wrong, right. but... No, you're correct. You're completely correct, yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, when, when I saw we got a penalty, I... I knew, I knew exactly that he was going to be putting it in the back of the net. Um, but obviously, I don't, I don't like to uh, dwell off. Obviously, uh, going back to my Twitter, but I've got a nice uh, family present from uh, a Kasumi signed shirt, and it fit fit quite well because obviously we saw how Kasumi played at, um, on Saturday, and it was a man of match performance, and it just shows what we've missed for the uh, most of the season. Yeah, you say you mentioned about the home form, and yeah, all all like really, really teams at the top of the league have you know, excellent home form, and even our own seasons have seen that, especially with the championship season, how we were so good at home and away also. But yeah, it was nice a present from uh, well, from your brother, I believe, uh, the Cad shirt. Obviously, we well, myself and you have known it's been coming for a little while now, so uh, yeah, it's nice to see you finally get it, and yeah, it looks sick. So uh, yeah, look forward to seeing that uh, hanged up on the wall. Um, yeah, it was good to see the clean sheet, wasn't it? I mean, it's been well, not a little while, but especially the way we play, it's so they they're so rare. Um, because we play high risk football, and uh, so to get that clean sheet, Emily has a few close shaves, and uh, we required uh, Fish is a uh, excellent shot stopping ability a few times, but uh, yeah, apart from that, getting that clean sheet is really rewarding, and uh, yeah, I'm sure the defense is really happy with that. Um, Joe, what were your what were your general thoughts on uh, Saturday's victory over Pompey? Yeah, again, great reaction. I think the first first 20 minutes especially, I think we were full of energy, pressing high. Um, and, I, you know, I think, I, I, obviously, I'm not going to mention individuals too much because we'll come on to that. But I think, you know, there wasn't one player really that you could single out. I think one of the um, uh, people asked, one of the press uh, said that there was, it was just everyone was good. And there was a, and then in that good, in the midst of those good performances, there were a few that I thought were outstanding. Um, I think one of the, most pleasing things for me was the control we had in the second half. At no point were we, you know, getting caught on the break. We were just keeping the ball, keeping it flowing. Um, and we didn't really look at look into any danger in the second half, which was, you know, for me, the the, the most pleasing thing. You know, once we got our noses ahead, it's very, very difficult to peg us back. 
And um, yeah, you mentioned about the clean sheets, but um, we've had three clean sheets in the last five now, and they've come against seventh, ninth, and tenth in the league. So, you know, all teams above us, and it's not too bad of a too bad of a stat to have. No, definitely not. I say, as you said, especially with the way we play, the high risk, high reward football. It, uh, when you get those clean sheets, it, I think this means a lot more. I think if you park in the bus for ninety minutes and um, you know getting nil nils, then I suppose it means maybe a bit less than what we do. But the fact that we can win games and get clean sheets is a uh, yeah, really impressive. Um, Ross kind of alluded to it. It is a man of match nomination, but I thought David Seaman was absolutely terrific on Saturday. Um, we well, spoke about on several Pompey podcasts, Pompey podcasts, and me and Ross spoke to Hugh about it on ours about how bringing Kaz back in can really bring that bite and aggressiveness that we need in the midfield that we've really missed. Um, and yeah, it, that and his movement were, yeah, top, top draw. And you, you can see why players like Andrew Serwin are coming out and saying that he feels David Seaman is going to get to, you know, the top, top level of English football because. The way he plays on the pitch, especially only 66 minutes as well, his first start since December. Yeah, incredible, really. I mean, the numbers don't really do justice, but the fact he won eight out of 11 ground drills just shows that he wasn't he wasn't just doing it for the sake of it. He was, you know, winning those 50-50s. And ultimately, that's what, that's what won us the game. You know, we were going in for those challenges and winning them for 90% of the time. Pompey for a team who were in the playoffs didn't really look like they wanted it too much. Of course, they had their chances, but... For me, it's only a few players that really, you know, really wanted it. And Ronan Kurt has been one of those. Um, and you can see they're still the team transition, especially with that Sean Raggett, who as a ball playing centre-back uh, looked pretty shaky. But yeah, back onto Kaz. And um, Ross has kind of given his thoughts on Kaz. So I'll pass it over to yourself, Joe. How how good was Kaz on Saturday for you? Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's, you wouldn't have thought he's been out for the best part of four months or whatever it's been. He... um. I think, you know, maybe I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but if if you'd have asked me at Christmas who the player of the season was, from every, a lot of people said Scott Fraser, but I, I personally would have gone with David Kasum because I think he does something that no one else in this team can do. And it's it's his movement off. It's his... Um, it's, 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 it's so, so often there was two or three Portsmouth players bearing down on him. And where he differs from Sermon and McEachran is, is just his raw athletic ability and he can, you know, drop a shoulder and, and then all of a sudden it opens up. And it almost did feel how yesterday it almost did have a bit of a basketball feel to the first half. It was going backwards and forwards at times. And I think it's because, you know, it, it, and I think that, yeah, he presumed does that role so well. He comes so much ground. I think where you have Josh McEachran and Andrew Sermon where they're, you know, physically maybe not where, where Cass is, but, Technically, they are better, but I think Kasumu's got that nice blend, and um, and I think you know he's almost like he, he he can do most things in the midfield. He does the dirty work. We we all know that, um, and I think just his energy it almost you know galvanizes other players. And I think when you've got someone like that who also can dribble the ball because we don't really have anyone that dribbles with the ball too much. I mean, we we know Fraser likes to have a dribble with it, but. Um, when Kasuma's making these bursting runs through the middle, a la something we've seen from Harry Darling before, you know, it does create space for other people because all of a sudden, you know, an extra man's coming to attack that's uh, not being marked. So, yeah, it, a great performance. And, um, God, I'd love to see him start again on Tuesday, but who knows? <laughs> 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see Scott Fraser go off six six minutes from a Ketkrum because uh, I was actually mentioned with the dribbling with uh, Scott and his directness. I was kind of like, well, who's gonna be the player that I'm gonna feel to really, you know, bring that back into the team? And obviously, Kaz did that immensely well um, when he was on the pitch. Um, so again, it just shows you that even if Scott, you know, isn't playing his top game, and we'll get on to Scott later regarding what his comments are post match, but. There's players in the squad that are when you step up, you know, uh, Kaz, O'Reilly, etc. Um, so yeah, it's we're not relying on one person anymore, which is the, which is the main goal heading into this season. So, in terms of achieving that, it's a big tick next to that. Um, another player who got a fair bit of criticism from Russ, to be fair, um, in the previous two games, or his lone striker role up front was Will Grigg. Um, you know, we felt that. He wasn't really, I mean, the service wasn't amazing, but even then, you know, Will Grigg wasn't really doing much for us up front. But he uh, answered the critics with a brilliant performance uh, on Saturday that was very, very unlucky not to get a goal or at least one. Of course, he had the two shots cleared out the line and his movement was absolutely excellent. Um, you know, and that, again, a bit like Kaz, to be fair, the stats don't really show how good he was. But if you watched the game yourself and seen the link up play that he did do, um, you knew that he had a great game and probably. Well, minus his first few games at the club, back at the club at least, um, his best performance at the club, in my opinion. So, um, Ross, from watching the game yourself, um, how do you feel Greg did, and are you impressed with him as I was? I think you nailed it on the head there, Liam, in the sense of um, he worked his ass off basically, um, and he was he deserved a goal, as you said. But I think at the moment it's a bit of confidence and obviously things haven't went his way in the past few games and maybe uh, Saturday showed that. And I think, especially obviously being striking, you're heavily um, reliant uh, on you to score goals to obviously for team success. I think you just need to go with it and uh, stick at it and uh, just keep going um, each game at it and uh, hoping one hits the back of the net and then you're on a roll. Yeah, I think it, you mentioned about his confidence, Ross. I think it speaks a lot for the group, doesn't it, Russ Martin, that he's, you know, had this confidence and he can put in a performance like he did on Saturday when he's going for a bit of a drought in terms of goal contributions. And, um, you know, that, I think, Joe, that just says a lot for the culture that Russ Martin's trying to build at the club. And, you know, essentially, if ever he wants to, Russ wants to admit this or not, it's a, it's a recruitment mission for next season, isn't it, in terms of trying to keep Greg in the building. And, uh, you know, it's... It'd be interesting to see his last four or five games, you know, what happens with him. Yeah, I think one really good, really thing, thing I noticed with Greg yesterday, and I just had a little look. Um, again, in the games against Ipswich and De Lincoln, he only touched the ball, I think it was 18 and 20, 20 something times. In, um, in the game against Portsmouth on Saturday, he touched the ball nearly 40 times. Now, if you're a lone striker, that just must mean that is, you know, to me, it was a marked improvement on his movement and he was. You know, it was almost as if he was, he was hungry for that ball. He was coming deep, but him coming deep meant that there were spaces in behind. And we saw that, you know, Matty Sorinola, Ethan Laird, there were spaces for them to run into. And, you know, it seemed like his movement really helped us in attack rather than just having a striker being marked by two centre-backs in the box, which it feels like maybe that's what we saw more of in the Lincoln and Ipswich game. Um, yeah, in terms of this, in, in the summer... I don't know. It's, it just depends. There's so many unknowns. And if if this team does that and that team does that, and what if we, what do we do? And who get, if we get money for this, well, yeah. So too many questions to, to answer, but 
he's done he's done a decent job so far. Um, not amazing, but he's done a, a decent job so far. So I could certainly think of worse players to be signing in the summer. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a few episodes ago. I think the key test would be, you know, seeing him in the three-five-two, and we briefly saw that for about half an hour with him and Charlie Brown up front together um, in the double substitution after our sixty-six minute. Um, of course, Joe, you've predicted that yourself in the lineup from Saturday. So I'm keen to get your thoughts on how you feel it did versus Portsmouth, and whether you feel that it. You know, obviously, it's going to be. You have to think it'd be introduced in the future games. So, just give me your thoughts on how you thought it was against Pompey. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was all right. I mean, I think it is hard to judge as well because you've got to remember we were one nil down at the time. Portsmouth were chasing the game, but then the last ten minutes, you know, they had a red card and we were just seeing out the game. So it was a bit of a funny one, but you know, it was Charlie Brown um, who not won the red card, but he was, you know. I don't even know what that challenge was. Karate kicked through the air, or <laughs> yeah, pretty, uh, pretty. Um, and well, I don't know what the word is to be honest. It was well. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, slightly rash. Yeah, um, but I, I think um, you know, with Charlie Brown, my I think the, the the question with him has never been about technical ability. It's just getting used to maybe men's football, and you know, four games to go. Uh, why not get? Why not throw him in? Give him. A, few more minutes I, I would like to see that um, but who knows maybe the one striker formation is something that Russ is working towards more for next season maybe maybe he is going for the two striker formation so obviously there's lots of things to consider isn't there but yeah I, I'd love to see Brown some more and I think he did all right I think it, it is hard when you're you know it, it's starting a game and um, you know coming on as a sub it's two completely different things really because so much has already happened in the game. So, yeah, hard one to judge, really, just based on the half an hour, especially given what happened. But, yeah, by no means bad. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much um, agree with what you said there. Of course, yeah, we'd love, love to see Charlie Brown start a few games. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the next, well, the last four games, really, against teams who haven't, well, I mean, the, obviously, Bristol Rovers have got a chance to say, yeah, but things like that, of course, Swindon do and uh, Rochdale do, but, I think the games we can get at teams, um, and I think the duo up front of Brown and Greg can maybe do that. So yeah, it'd be nice to see that for a few games and uh, just test it out, test the waters. If it's if it's rubbish, then you know don't do it, don't do it next season, or recruit different players to uh, make it work. Um, of course, myself and well, myself and Ross, um, so spoke a lot but with Hugh and the PO forecast guys about how we thought uh, Saturday would go. And of course, we spoke about Kaz coming back to the field and bringing that bye that we thought would happen. But we also spoke a lot about Ethan Laird against Charlie Daniels. And of course, Ethan Laird is a young Manchester United low knee. Um, of course, really energetic, full of pace, full of attacking quality. And then Charlie Daniels is on the other end of his career. Of course, former Premier League players, he had experience. But in terms of his physical ability, it's a bit uh, a bit lower than what it was maybe towards the start of his career. So we all kind of highlighted that as a key area to target. And Ross, lo and behold, um, that's where the goal comes from and wins us the game. So I suppose that no way it credits us a little bit for knowing how the game would go, but it just shows you, you know, that Ethan Lerdis got decent quality going forward and he was a key sort of element to our win on Saturday. Oh yeah, 100%. And he he was having so much joy down that right-hand side. And if we reverse it back, well, a couple of months back, back to Rochdale, 
I believe I was a person who doubted his quality and I was questioning whether he was the right man for the job. And look how far he's came along now. And he was probably one of the first names on the team sheet in my eyes, uh, especially in that role. He's an absolute menacing uh, right wing back. And I'm, I'm hoping we can get him on loan, but I don't believe there's a lot of chance for that because of, I believe he's championship and beyond um, in my eyes. The kid's got so much quality, but um, just going back on Saturday, um, it, there was a question whether it was in, in or out of the box. I thought it was inside. Definitely inside. Um, I believe, I think it was Toby Lockie, but he was throwing it up in the air. Um, yeah, and yeah, I thought it was a penalty. And yeah, I believe he had Charlie Daniels all day long. Yeah, I mean... Literally, we literally said, you know, bring a, bring someone like Harvey White over to the left-hand side, a bit more youthful. Um, you know, he could probably take on Cass physically a bit more. And that probably doesn't happen. We probably, it's probably a nil-nil draw. And um, yeah, but obviously it didn't happen. Um, he got rewarded for what well, Ethan led to be pretty good, basically. It's got phrase now to take a penalty away. Um, I suppose a key stat to take Ethan led, Ross, uh, Ross, uh, Joe, sorry, is that he was fouled five times by Pompey players. So, it wasn't just, you know, him having that one little area of the game that he got the assist for for the penalty. He was, as Ross mentioned, you know, a menace all game. Yeah, I mean, well, I mentioned it earlier. We, you know, and it almost also, if you look at Lincoln, um, the way the ways that Lincoln were able to sort of beat us for the first two goals were pure through their pure sort of physical and athleticism. And I think that's something Ethan Laird's got in abundance and maybe something we lacked in the first half of the season. You know, you had some decent players in like Regan Paul and, you know, and um, uh, Regan Paul playing down that right hand side. And sometimes it was just a bit, you know, it, it was just wasn't quite there because in, in those sorts of areas, the, you know, athleticism and the pace makes a huge difference. And Charlie Daniels, I mean, he was, he's got a quality left foot. Let's be clear about that. But yeah, maybe his legs aren't quite up to up to the level of his left foot. But I certainly think um, that we, we, we've sometimes in some games we've missed that having someone because I mentioned this the other week about uh, last week about Cammy, you know, we've missed having just that one person who or, you know, in the final third, they, they use their athleticism to do something unpredictable, they, to do something that not, not many other people on the pitch can do or can stop. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's such a valuable asset, and I think with Ethan Laird as well, his his decision making is becoming much much better as well. I think, you know, he, he's he was a real menace, and to be honest, he's been quite unlucky. He should have a couple more assists. I think um, he he's deserves a couple more. I remember, I think a couple of people have missed sitters from his crosses, and in the first half, he put one across the box, and it almost trickled across the goal line, and no, I don't know, no one got a touch on that. So yeah, no, really really great player and um well if they if we manage to get him for next season then fair play <laughs> that would be some coup yeah not sure what's going on man united isn't it because they got the the old super league talk today which is interesting so maybe even leads off to the super league rather than a league one again but hey we'll see on that um i suppose we'll we'll sort of round off our top our talk on the pompey view regarding the Scottish wizard, Scott Fraser, a winning goal, you know, 12 goals for the season. Um, but his, I think his post-match presser was the key sort of talking point from everyone um, based on him anyway. He was fairly honest about his performances as of late. And of course, he 
it wasn't criticism from us because obviously he played so well earlier on in the season and we kind of expected, you know, him to have a little bit of a drop off in performances. But yeah, his honesty and how he's been struggling throughout this lockdown is, I suppose, quite prevalent to a lot of people really and uh, including us guys, to be fair. So it's nice to hear that, you know, there's a, there's a real honesty amongst the group and they're open and willing to share that with us when maybe perhaps received some criticism that they didn't really deserve. So, yeah, I just want to touch on that. And it was just nice to hear that. And uh, I'm glad to see that he's uh, a bit more happy with his performance on Saturday and uh, got us a winning goal. Okay, well, that rounds off Pompey review pretty nicely. Um, we'll take a short break and we'll get into our match midweek against Bristol Rovers. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so after taking care of Pompey at home on Saturday, uh, our focus turns to Bristol Rovers in the Men's Stadium on Tuesday evening, taking on Bristol Rovers' side, who are fighting for survival in League One. Um, so I'm taking for the preview today. Um, so, look at the league table. Bristol Rovers are 23rd out of 24 teams, currently on 38 points from 42 games. Uh, their current gaffer is Joey Barton. This is their third manager of the season, following the letting go or snacking of uh, Ben Garner and Mr Paul Tisdale. Looking a bit more at their home form in the last four games, they've had the one win against Doncaster, um, and followed that by three defeats against Sunderland, Swindon, and most recently against Lincoln City, all by the one goal. Um, the form table, fortunately, doesn't look too much better either for Bristol Rovers. They're joint last in the last eight games alongside Doncaster, and I'm sure everyone who's followed the league one knows how bad Doncaster have been these past eight games. That's resulted in men getting four points, and in contrast, the last eight games see the Dons in fifth, with 16 points collected from the last eight. Looking at a few models regarding the relegation battle in the League One, sees Bristol Rovers 99.5% predicted to be relegated from League One. And that's according to multiple models as well, so not just the one. Um, that's a pretty damning assessment, and it's echoed by the fans who are essentially given up on the players with just four games to go and a very, well, a chance to get out of the relegation zone at least. Um, a previous guest who me and Ross spoke to for the previous fixture in Kaz uh, from the Gas Cast podcast, which is a brilliant podcast. So make sure you check those guys out with all their previews. Um, but she did a blog piece um, detailing her feelings about sort of Rovers in their current state. And I encourage you to read that. I'll leave it in the podcast description for you to check out. But we'll touch upon some things she talked about there. Um, she said how she feels the club has been like, destined for relegation ever since they conceded the late goal against Wigan in late February. Uh, courtesy of former Don Scott Wooten. And to quote her, she said some reasons for the downfall of the season has been a poor unbalanced recruitment and lack of quality on the pitch with the addition of weak squad mentality uh, and that would that be the main factors. Uh, Barton himself has described the task of staying up as climbing Mount Everest and exiling players who are not up for the task. Uh, and to be fair, that's probably where Barton and the fans are in agreement. All of the current players have not given 100% no matter the manager in charge. In terms of how uh, Rovers set up, it's kind of been changing the formation to uh, match up to who they're playing against. So it's the last few games have seen, obviously the Dons go to a 3-5-1-1 in the box, we like to call it, or the 3-5-2. 
So we could see a match in formation from that perspective. Um, but there's ever likely to see Barton go with the 4 3 1 2, which has seen the Rovers pick up a mix of results you know, three wins, uh, one draw, and three defeats in that time. And also they've conceded uh, 13 goals and scored, also oh, scored 13 and conceded 14 in that time. Uh, according to who scored, um, Rovers are a team with no strengths. Of course, the last time we said that, that was against Wigan Athletic, and I know what happened there. Um, but they're a team who give up a fair few chances to the opposition um, and you could say are there for the taking um, which is dangerous words of course for the team fighting for relegation but you know, with how the Dons played on Saturday and how Rovers and their fans have been echoing how they've been playing um, it kind of goes hand in hand so that's your brief rundown of Bristol Rovers and I'll pass it over to Ross who is going to highlight some key players for you yeah, well, um, I'm trying to uh, pick out some key players from this side. Obviously, with the results not going their way, it's quite hard to. But um, they've got a few uh, shining lights in their side. In Zane Westbrook, the 24-year-old, he's got two assists in the past three games now. Um, obviously, um, he was I believe he was a man of the match against Doncaster, um, which they won. Um, he sits behind the striker, and he is a great this, the creative hub. Um, for the Rovers side, um, pretty similar to what Fraser was earlier on in the season for us. Um, so that's another positive for them. Um, but the other player I wanted to touch upon was Luke McCormick. Obviously sits in the heart of that midfield. Um, he's similar to Kasumi. He likes to do the dirty work and um, he breaks up the play, um, wins all his duels and he's got the attitude to obviously keep the side up. But I think that's what you've mentioned, Liam. Not all players are on the same wavelength. And if they are going to start this season, they need that fighting mentality. And he's probably someone who's an example for everyone else to follow. Yeah, thanks, Zach Ross. And um, I'll pass it over to Joe just to add on to any thoughts you got, Joe, regarding Bristol Rovers now and uh, maybe any other key players that Ross may have missed out that you want to highlight. Yeah, I think one thing that, you know, Ross mentioned, there was a, kind of a few shining brights and a few shining lights. And it is, it's quite weird to say that a team that looks destined to go down actually has quite a few decent players. And but I think one thing that they've lacked massively this season is, is a proper striker. And they've got um, a fella, Jonah Iunga, who I believe was um, from non-league. And he's, he's a real physical presence and he's a massive nuisance. But he just, doesn't score and he's I think he scored two in 12 starts 25 games overall and um, yeah I think that you know I think that's almost the story of Bristol Rovers season they've got some half decent players but they're just not particularly pulling it off you know and um, another player I just wanted to mention was um, Leahy um, he's a left wing back and he scored eight goals this season um, three assists so you know just, just got to be aware of that, you know. Ethan there down his side, just trying to keep uh, keep it quite tight. But the thing is with Bristol Rovers, I mean, I think it was the last 30, 25, 20, uh, 15, 10 games, they've they've actually scored like less than the amount of games they've played. They average less than one goal a game. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that we can get a clean sheet there. Um, and I think defensively, we know we know about George Williams, of course. Um, 
They've got um, I, when when fit, I think they've got one of the better goalkeepers in the year in the league. In I think it's Jacola or something along those lines. Um, but I'm not 100 sure if he's fit um, or if he's back playing because last the last time we played Bristol Rovers, it was the second choice keeper who played and he wasn't fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, we should win this game. Yeah, in short. <laughs> Yeah, to answer your question, Jacola played last game, so I assume he is fit to play. So there you go. Um, so that could be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, they're, they're a team not in great form. The fans are turned against them. Um, they're fighting, as Barton said, an uphill battle as far as Everest uh, to stay up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not looking too good for them, quite frankly. Um, but we'll move on from that, and we will focus on more of the Don's perspective side of things and so moving to our predicted starting 11s. So, Ross, why don't you kick us off with giving us your predicted starting 11 for well, travelling to Bristol Rovers uh, Tuesday night? Yeah, so um, it's just one change I've, I've went into um, Tuesday game. But I'll start from the back. Um, Fisher in goal, as usual. And then the back three of Louis, Darling and Jules. And then um, I've gone with Laird and then um, Sorinola as wing-backs. And then the one change I've done is serving out Nakekrin in, just to freshen things up. Obviously, um, two games in a couple of days, maybe a bit too much. But I've said this numerous times and uh, sermons played uh, midweek. But I wouldn't be surprised to see McEachran come in. Uh, so I've gone with McEachran and Kasumi. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kasumi took out because obviously he's only just came back from a long spell out. And then I've gone with the usual duo in front of them of O'Reilly and Fraser. And now I've gone with um, Greg up front, obviously. We've been saying about Brown, obviously, getting the start. and I, I hope he does, but I'm looking at it from a Russ point of view. And uh, obviously, you can't drop Greg after the performance on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I think we'll know a lot about what Russ is thinking regarding his press conference on Monday. Is it being recorded prior to that on the uh, Sunday evening? So we don't know that. Um, but I've got a bit different to your thinking, Ross. So you've gone with the box. I've gone with the 3 5 two. Um, So I've gone with Fisher in goal. Uh, Louis, Darling and Jules, three centre-backs. They kind of pick themselves these days. Uh, Laird and Soranola as the two wing-backs. In the midfield, three up on with Kaz, Fraser and Sermon. Now, I could see this easily being Kaz, uh, Matt O'Reilly and McEachern. Um, To be honest, it was picking between the two. Bit of a coin flip. I just thought Fraser got brought off early, uh, as did um, Sermon. So I thought maybe there's an eye there looking to head to midweek. And those three will play in the midfield. And yeah, Connor Brown and Grigg, um, as I said, are targeting this game, uh, Rochdale and uh, Swindon as the three games where we try this 3-5-2 out, see how it goes. And I'm sticking to my word on that. Um, need to see it sooner rather than later. And I feel this game on Tuesday night is the perfect time to do that. So, Joe, me and uh, Ross have gone for two different formations, so it's a different personnel. So I'm interested to see where you've sided with. Well, I mean, oh, I've, I've been a bit flip-flopping. Um, just while we've been talking, it's it is hard to sort of measure where we're at, at the moment. Um, I've gone for fishing goal, uh, Louis Darling, Jules, uh, who I thought was re- uh, really solid again, by the way. Jules, um, Laird and Sorinola, as it looks like Harvey, um, may be out for a little while. Um, I've stuck with the box, but what you're saying about the 3 5 2, it, it makes sense, it, it does make sense, and I would not be surprised in the slightest if um, if that is the case. Um, but then again, out of that, <clears throat> out of those three midfielders, who 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 do you pick? Um, 
but I've gone with Cass and I've gone for Sermon because we always seem to think, oh yeah, Sermon's old, he needs rest. He's not really had any rest in the last, I don't know, three months or something. So and that something tells me that it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, so I've gone for Kasumu and Sermon. I've then gone for Matt O'Reilly and Scott Fraser in behind and Will Grigg up front. Again, like Ross said, you know, I completely agree. <laughs> when someone's performing like that, and with strikers especially, worst thing you can do is just pull him out for the next game. So uh, we'll agree. Oh, yeah. He was so unfortunate not to score, wasn't he? We spoke about it earlier. and uh, oh, Two yeah. blocked off the line, which we haven't even mentioned. We yeah, didn't what, even can mention. You do, what can you do about that? Like, literally. Um, so, yeah. I'll and... sit back to someone in, better, in a better position, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's yeah, a striker. Maybe. He's never going to do that. No, yeah, he's def- I think he's he definitely wants to course his cheer a goal. And um, yeah, I think uh, Tuesday night can be a good chance to do that. Okay, so we'll run off of our score predictions. Um, I'll kick off with mine. Uh, I've gone 2-0 MK Dons. Um, as we've kind of mentioned, it's Bristol Rovers' side, don't really score a lot. Aren't a very good team, to be honest. And that's not a secure in that. That's the echoing of the Bristol Rovers fans. And at times, the manager himself. Um, and, you know, the Dons got pretty poor winning against Pompey. And they're looking to build on that here against a team who, you know, are fighting for their League One status. Um, and I think they'll do that fairly well. So I think 2-0 and a clean sheet, of course, is a great result to take away Bristol Rovers, which is a ground we've struggled at previously. So, Joe, what's your score prediction looking like for Tuesday night? Yeah, you mentioned about struggling at Bristol Rovers. I struggled to stay awake when we went there under Tisdale. One of the worst performances <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, Goodness me, I can tell you that train journey home was not fun. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think um, yeah, I think what you say makes sense. I, I, I'm inclined to agree as well. I think 2-0, I think that was the result um, at the home game, was it? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there, there you go. And I think that, I think, um, you know, as long as there's no stupid mistakes, I just don't see there being an issue, to be honest, with... You know, we've get, regained a bit of confidence. We had a zip in our, was it a zip in our step? Um, and I think we, yeah, let's carry it on. Let's let's carry it on. Russ has said the players have set themselves targets in, in-house. And, um, you know, we've, we've playing teams like um, Rochdale and Swindon as well coming up. What better way than to, you know, really end this season positively? Uh, so 2-0. Nice, nice. So, Ross, what have you gone with? Have you gone with a 2 0 to make it a hat trick, or have you gone with something different? I've gone there uh, for goals. Um, I've, I've looked into um, just a little stat. Um, in the past six Milton Keynes away games, five out of the six of them have been over 2.5 goals. And um, I've just sw- I've swayed towards a 3 1, only because of the pessimistic side in me says uh, that we're going to concede. But the hopeful side says that we're not. But um, yeah, I've gone with three one dons. I think we'll we'll have a bit too much in the tank for this Bristol Rovers side. But um, for some reason, so, so, something's telling me that we're going to make it try and make it hard work for ourselves. That would be typical MK Don's fashion to do that, wouldn't it? So yeah, exactly it's not what... like us, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you at all for that thinking. Um, but yeah, so those are our predictions. Uh, make sure you get over to Fanhub and submit your predictions, um, lineup wise, anyway. Of course, coming off 11-11 for myself, a humble brag there. So top of the uh, top of the tree for the Dons fans. So uh, we're kind of relying on yourself and uh, Ross and Joe to uh, 
you keep the pace up and uh, maybe get level like yourselves and um yeah so get involved and uh, of course with all the super league rubbish that came out today it's uh, nice to see or nice to be part of a sort of fan hub that reward the fans who want instead of you know just going somewhere else in the middle east or whatever to play your football so yeah that rounds off episode 47 mk1 podcast as always it'd be excellent if you could subscribe and come on you dons away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.